to Drifter Sympathy on Feral Audio. Go to feralaudio.com and click Shop Amazon to shop through their Amazon portal. Proceeds support this and other Feral Audio podcasts. A lot of my early experiences encountering sexuality were all wrapped up in other feelings of complete fear or that kind of hesitancy that you have when you're glimpsing something that you think you're not supposed to see in ways that's an inherent experience to childhood. But it's also indicative of very ancient tension. The war between the flesh and the mind is probably one of the oldest tales since writing really began. Sex always holds something mysterious for everyone that never totally dissipates. And that zone of taboo is the sonic world we're going into today. We'll be diving into the history of film music as it has evoked and illustrated that tension, which takes a genius, and these motherfuckers are real motherfuckers. genre being a bit of a fantasy genre is you can take it on the low brow or the high brow tip and it works equally on both because the people making this music were strangely born into its occurrence of a pretty high mind like these guys are composers that could have easily made and did actually make some of the greatest classical music of their century believe it or not Francis Lay, Pierre Bachelet, Nico Fednenko, these are all guys who were mostly known for making the music for Emmanuel. But they're also some of the greatest composers of their time. That intersection is fucking bizarre. That's the reason why this is so fascinating. The lowbrow tip is just as satisfying as the highbrow, probably more a lot of the time. I suppose we can dip into that. This is just straight up ABBA school pop music that I bought in a little village flea market in Portugal. It was like downtown Porto, I think like six years ago. And the scene of the market itself looked like some sort of opening of a James Bond film, except slightly less uh, complex. I was just hung over and buying records off of, you know, a little man with a basket.
some of you may know Bakara from their two gigantic hits, Sorry I'm a Lady and Yes Sir I Can Boogie, in the far ends of Europe. This is Bachelet's soundtrack for Histoire d'O, one of the most controversial books of the 50s that was uh, sadomasochistic sort of following in the tradition of Marquis de Sade and then made into a very infamous film by a notorious director named Just Jackin. Now, I've never figured this out, but you know, you grow up in America thinking the French name Just Jackin as a porn director is a joke, but the internet seems to just have a straight face about it, like this is really a French name. I don't know how that is possible. He had already kicked off that entire movement with Emmanuel the year before that in 74. And I think these two films were part of changing the way people saw the phrase X-rated. I think instead of the filmmaker being terrified that his market would be decreased, with the swinging 70s, basically, they started opening up a whole new ceiling. Emmanuel, the girl who opened up the eyes of America, is back. So come with Emmanuel in Emmanuel Around the World. I hope you rested well. Emmanuel was a dramatic scar on the mind of any young boy growing up in the 70s or 80s. It was the movie that came on when your parents went to bed, and it would always begin with a plane taking off slowly, and she would land in a different exotic land to get fucked in a million different ways. In New York, she gives herself to pleasure. In San Francisco, she reveals an inner need for liberation. In Hong Kong, she penetrates the mysteries of the Orient. So you're the famous Emmanuel. I love it. How many ways are there to cook spaghetti? How many ways do you know how to cook a girl? <laughs> Disturbing and remarkably unfunny. You can start to see what I'm talking about in terms of a sexuality encased in something darker. Before we commit completely to the world of film soundtracks, let's check into the shallower end of things where some German ladies are trying to sound very American called the Silver Convention. Yeah. 
bass sound again that somehow permanently correlated with porn music. Keeping it in Europe where production values are high and they took this genre very seriously probably because there was a lot of money being made all of a sudden across different countries they would rename the film and resell it to a new distributor this market was exploding and getting sleazier and sleazier People started fucking horses and killing animals and shit, um, which is not exciting in any way, but somehow the music had to match how gory and, and depraved the films were becoming. All this brutality didn't come out of nowhere. 
I think it had kind of a sunnier beginning. Denmark legalized pornography in 1969, and I think that their view was already coming from a very liberated, you know, happier place. Copenhagen's been voted one of the happiest cities in the world. But the Danish had no idea they were setting off a kind of domino effect as the 60s crashed. The 70s got much, much darker with political unrest in Italy or, or America. And the filmmakers started getting into a space race for sleaze. So all the sort of stag music that maybe kicked off the genre with just jovial horns and ladies laughing just eventually turned into some sort of cannibal apocalypse. So within all that, there are different dimensions of emotion that you can put forward. Here's an anonymous track that kind of rides the balance of optimistic and insidious... quality, fresh ingredients really make a meal taste great. But if you lack technical skills, it can be hard to cook for yourself, and eating out gets expensive. With Blue Apron, each meal comes with step-by-step directions, pre-portioned ingredients, and can be prepared in under 40 minutes. It's really easy to follow and make, even if you don't know a lot about cooking. For under $10 a person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes, working directly with farms to bring you fresh, sustainable ingredients. There's several delivery options, so you can choose what fits your needs, and there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com email. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash E-M-I-L. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. We're going to cover two underground super legends during this episode. Here's one of them, Patrick Coley. 
film composers were able to sonically infiltrate culture through cinema, but Patrick Coley used the dance floor exclusively. A lot of his experiments were never really released on LP in the late 70s, early 80s. You had to go to specific clubs in San Francisco to hear what he was working on. So if Depeche Mode or New Order were in San Francisco, they knew exactly where to go to hear Patrick Coley's new material, which then influenced them returning to the studio in the UK. Here's one of his most immediate moments called Mockingbird Dream. I suppose some American form of craft work and Marauder had to bubble up, but it wasn't that easy to get access to these synthesizers, so Patrick Coley was a member of a very small synth library at his school in San Francisco, so he had access to the newest stuff being invented. He would experiment back in these practice rooms and then bring it straight to the dance floor and see what worked.
imagine how exciting it would have been to be involved in such a hidden crease where now the internet, everything is above ground. So the romanticism is certainly lessened because you don't have to physically go sneak into a back room to hear something that you could never experience anywhere else. terror you might compare my dad to Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now but he also had this strange talent for hanging out with guys like that and they'd always live in some sort of weird wooded shack in the dark there was no lights it was always like just like filing cabinets and they'd be back in the shadows kind of wearing what you would picture uh, some sort of Australian serial killer might wear on, on a Tuesday. One of these characters was named Gordon, and he was easily over 300 pounds, a very loud, frightening man. And me and my best friend would kind of hide from him. But he was the first person that ever had the Playboy channel, and that scared the shit out of me, because once he would go to bed, you knew you could turn it on, and you didn't know if you wanted to, but you sort of just were going to do that. And there was a show that I distinctly remember haunting me called Electric Blue. Show, 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 show. The girls, the cars, no dreams, dreams. The electronic sound of old The dream cannot be spoiled. It simply must sustain the truth. The truth is sex. 
actually a really good guy I think I'm not really sure because I was 10 I have no idea what possessed us but one night Gordon left out one of his uh, pints of beer like a full pint and my best friend and I we were like 10 we didn't even know what beer did for some reason we decided to drink the entire pint which left us totally bedazzled and we pissed in the pint to its full extent. And it looked exactly like beer, man. We watched him wild-eyed walking up to the pint. And he raised it all the way up to his lips. And it was just so incredibly warm. He was just too clever for us. So no matter what language the shit was in, I mean, half the time the signal wasn't coming in well, and you're just squinting through a bunch of static. You know, that's good enough for a 10-year-old, whatever. There's just this constant fear that Gordon's going to walk in, somebody's going to walk in. And you will be uh, exposed for all of your horrible callings. Fedenko's sonic calling card. He would throw bass through phaser in a very specific way on every soundtrack that he worked on for some years in the 70s. He eventually totally moved on to his credit to other genres, whereas like Francis Lay, who's one of the great geniuses, just kind of stuck to romantic themes.
just excelled at a certain tenderness. But, you know, comparing the French and Italians is pretty difficult to do. It's just that there was more creativity at hand for the kinds of films Fedenko was working with. And you can see that here when he sort of dips into the zombie genre, which he may or may not have been proud of. second underground hero that needs to be remembered under the banner of Susie Listening is Dennis Parker. He was probably born in Long Island as Dennis Poza and ended up drifting into porn in the mid-70s. Over time, he was a bit of a chameleon, so it's hard to say where he himself was coming from, but his central mission seemed to be that he wanted to be famous. He slid from straight porn to gay porn to music and then a budding soap opera career, which may have been the peak he was reaching for, but then he was diagnosed with AIDS and by most accounts became so depressed that he could barely pull himself together to work and then supposedly shot himself with a gun. Nobody really knows exactly how he died. It's ironic that both of our heroes died of AIDS, Patrick Cowley in 82 and Dennis Parker in 85, but that's probably just a fraction of a tiny snapshot of all the creative people that were wiped away in the 80s by that phenomenon. It seems highly possible that both of them could have been in the same dance clubs at the same time at the very end of the 70s when Dennis Parker somehow fell into the lap of this super coked up label owner for Casablanca Records in LA and was hooked up with the Village People's producer. If you watch the two incredibly awkward videos of him singing on YouTube, You can't really turn your eyes away. He's a strangely uh, captivating performer. He seems like he just wants to be an actor at any cost and will sing virtually anything like his single, I'm a Dancer. Clerk in a store. 
Unmistakable Broadway vibes in there Music ended up just being a stop off On the way towards his success With this mainstream soap opera called The Edge of Night He only left behind one record And probably would have been forgotten entirely If it wasn't for this one single On the record called Like an Eagle To some people a total joke And to others just an incredible time capsule it all adds up to such an amazing story and such a grimy portrait of a ruthless and dirty climb to fame you know pre-aids pre-internet pre-reagan pre-moral crusade of the 80s it almost feels like he's saying in like an eagle that hedonism will lead him to some kind of salvation you know before our culture had really learned the hard way that that might not work out
looking at you, looking at you. 